As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach, and I am thrilled to be joined this week by my friend and colleague over at Fox Sports, Mark Titus, and we're going to talk some hoops. We're going to break down everything heading into the Sweet 16. Mark, hello. Hello, Nicole. This is, I, I, you wasted no time as the clock hit zero on Oral Roberts, Ohio State, texted me like, hey, you want to come on the show this week and talk about everything that happened this weekend? And well, I see where this is going. And, well, uh, <laughs> to be fair, the most ruthless text I sent you was after Ohio State lost to Michigan. Yes. And that was like right when zero hit. Right. Yeah. And you waited yeah. 24 hours. I waited 24 full hours. I saw it immediately and I waited 24 full hours because I was like, I'm not giving you the satisfaction of this. And uh, yeah, and, and it's probably not a coincidence that Michigan's the one Big Ten team left in this thing. And I don't know, whatever. I, I'm not bitter about it. I'm definitely not mad. I'm definitely just enjoying the tournament. I'm de- <laughs> yeah, you're definitely, that's exactly definitely. what people who are not bitter say. Um, wait, so before we get into kind of the overall storylines, I tweeted about this, but I do need some confirmation from the other side of the rivalry. Big 10 fans would never pull for like the Big 10, right? Yeah, this is this has been a weird thing because, uh, you know, th- this happens every tournament where conference pride really rears its ugly head. And I've always hated conference pride, but also I grew up obsessed with Big 10 basketball and I grew up in a Big 10 family um, with with very my mom went to Purdue. My dad went to IU and uh we, we, and I went to Ohio state. So like the, it, it, there was a sense of big 10 pride in our family, but we always cheered for just like our own individual schools. But then as more time passes and it's been so long since the big 10 as a conference has won a national title, uh, I started to like become the thing I hated, which is like a big 10 guy where I'm like, I, you know what to hell with it. I want one of these big 10 schools. And it's not just that we, we don't win national titles, Nicole, as you know, it's that we get to the title game and lose. And this has happened to like countless programs in, in, in the conference. Um, so 
if you put a gun to my head, I would probably say, no, I'm not cheering for Michigan. But I've also said a million times, like, I want, I, I need the Big Ten to win a title. But then I guess when you go down each individual school, you're like, all right, so you need the Big Ten to win a title. If it's not Ohio State, would, would you be cool with Wisconsin winning? And I'm like, absolutely not. What about Michigan? I'm like, no. Uh, and, and you just kind of go down the list, and I'm like, all right, so I guess I don't actually want the Big Ten to win a title. I just want Ohio State to win one. Okay, so which schools did you decide were acceptable? In a weird way, I think I could be okay with Michigan because I feel like they've quote unquote earned it. Like it's actually a good program. I decided I'd be like really upset if like Iowa this year won it. You know, like they haven't, in my mind, they haven't paid their dues, which is to say they haven't lost a national championship game recently, like Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State, um, some of the others. So I think I would be okay with Michigan State. I would be probably okay with Michigan. But again, ask me if Michigan goes on a run and they're in the title game. We'll see how I feel then. Um, I don't think I would be okay with Wisconsin, though. Wisconsin, Wisconsin went to two Final Fours. They have earned it. If Wisconsin won, I would, I would probably be upset about it. I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say. You got you to gotta wait till the, you're in the moment and then you decide who you're cheered for, you know? Okay, so we will check back with you when Michigan does make the championship game and see how you feel about this. Um, But in the meantime, we do have the Sweet 16, and it is a wild Sweet 16 because I think we've already surpassed the amount of upsets record Mm -hmm. in a tournament. I think that every game that's going to be played on one of the days um, is like a totally different seed number. Oral Roberts is in the Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. Everyone's kind of seems to be a little bit polarized on this, like whether this amount of upsets is good or bad for the tournament. I personally like it. I love it. Um, We already knew we weren't going to have a lot of the blue bloods this year. So I feel like it's adding something, but where do you stand on that? Like good, bad in the middle. I I guess it depends on each tournament because traditionally I've been, I I would never say it's bad for the tournament. I think where people, because that's, that's probably far too cynical of a point of view. I would say that what, that point of view is more like you've watched these teams all season. You kind of have an idea of who the best teams are and you want to see those matchups. Like I'm being honest, like Loyola and Oregon state very much deserve to play each other. And I'm excited for that game. And I think it's going to be a great game. When the bracket came out, I was licking my lips about Illinois versus, versus uh, Oklahoma state. That's what I want. I was like, that is going to be an insane matchup. Iowa versus Cade. This is in the sweet 16. And so I think that's where that sentiment comes from. It's like, you kind of circle those games as like, this would be an awesome matchup. And when you don't get it, you feel a little disappointed. Uh, And then people, you know, if you're a fan of Loyola or Oregon state, you're like, no, hang on a second. Why do you, why do you hate my team? And I don't think it's that. um, But there's also like the part of, of if, if the more Cinderella runs you have, the more it sort of devalues the regular season, which I don't care. Like whatever it, I, the March Madness is the greatest event on earth. So like, I'm not trying to say we should do something different with it, but uh, there is kind of that as a guy who covers it all season, you're like, what the hell was the point of following Illinois all season and having so all these thoughts about Illinois? And I was watching their ups and their downs, and they'd come back around. And like all of that led to just getting completely dominated by Loyola for 40 minutes. That's it. That's the end of it. What the heck? Um, so I think there's a lot of that too. Like, where, where people who say, like, this is quote unquote bad for the tournament, it's more of like, I can't believe I just wasted my entire year watching Illinois and Iowa and Ohio State and uh, all, all these other schools that we were certain were going to be contenders. West Virginia is another one that uh, I, I believe Texas, oh my God, Texas. I, I had Texas in my final four because they, I was off on Texas all year when they were, when Texas was struggling. 
Um, I like I, I kept saying I, I was buying high and selling low on Texas, and I could never quite figure out whether they were peaking or not. And I, as soon as I would buy in on them, they would start to suck. And as soon as they, you know, I'd be like, I'm done with them. They'd go on a winning streak. So I finally talked myself into it after the Big 12 tournament. They lose to Abilene Christian. And uh, I, I think that's where that sentiment comes from. It's like, what the hell is the point of the entire season watching these games if it's all just going to be a crapshoot in March? And the point is, is that the regular season's fun too. And there are trophies on the line for that too. And uh, that's college sports. And that's why we love it. So, Well, I was going to say it also is nice when people who think they're experts on things get taken down yeah. a notch. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. that part. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that it's, it's fun. I think that usually what happens is, you know, kind of resets a little bit. Like we, we, by the elite eight, it's, it's the teams that were better throughout the year. Like, I don't think, I think people would have been shocked if Gonzaga was one of these teams that got, you know, upset, but it it is, it is interesting. And I've heard a number of different theories about maybe why there are so many this year. And let's go through them because I love weird theories. Um, But okay. So one without travel, so you don't have like the top seeds are normally a little bit protected. They're really mm-hmm. close to home, home court advantages, all those things. Some of these lower seeds would have been the teams that would have been like shipped all the way across the country potentially, mm-hmm. or moved around a lot. Um, the, I've heard some theories that like, cause we've obviously got four out of the 16 teams are from the pac 12 plus Gonzaga. Maybe the fact that they've been in Indy for like a full week, kind of like maybe the time difference, body clock mm-hmm. stuff isn't there. Um, trying to think of other potential theories that I've been hearing, maybe just like, you know, such a disjointed regular season that who knows that was going to be, I think that's my theory. My, I, I don't think there's any one, but I think the one that I would put the most uh, stock in is that a lot of the teams are just misseeded. And I, that's always something that gets talked about every tournament is that, you know, an 11 seed goes to the final four. And it's like, how the hell was this team an 11 seed? And it's like, well, cause they lost a lot of games. That's how <laughs> this doesn't erase the regular season. But for this particular tournament, um, given just how messy the non-conference schedules were um, given how, how often games were canceled and moved. And it, it's hard to remember like which teams were in COVID pauses and which players were out at which times and uh, all that kind of stuff. I think that could be as likely an explanation as anything. I mean, Oregon is a team that uh, when Oregon, if Oregon is fully healthy and fully firing on all cylinders all season, we have a normal season of Oregon basketball. There's no way in hell Oregon's a seven seed. They're, 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 there's not. I mean, that, that that's what stands out to me is that uh, sure, Oral Roberts upsets Ohio State. Um, you know, Abilene Christian beats Texas. But there, there have been a handful of upsets, like like Loyola upsets in quotes, like Loyola over Illinois or Oregon over Iowa, where it didn't feel like an upset at all. It was like that team was the better team for 40 minutes. And if you play that game again tomorrow, they're going to win again. And uh, to me, that says that maybe Loyola isn't an eight seed. Maybe Loyola should have had a better seed. But uh, that's probably a factor. You know, if, if you're – Someone who loves mid majors, you'd say that's because there's mid majors get no respect. If you're, you know, maybe on the other side of it, you'd say, well, we just didn't have enough data this year. There just wasn't the there weren't enough games. There weren't. It was just a weird year trying to suss through it all. And uh, that's kind of I don't know. That, that that's probably my most likely explanation. No, I I think that's that's probably it. I think too you have even with the mid majors, like I agree that it is a talking point about not getting enough respect, but also. This happens in normal years too, because of the data points, right? Like they don't have as many, you know, quad one opportunities, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. So I feel like sometimes, and I've done the mock, like I know how you're kind of evaluating how you're looking at these resumes, but 
maybe you kind of just are in your mind grouping all the mid-majors together. You wait to see who wins the conference tournaments. And then you go from there instead of like really looking at those resumes and being like, should this be a 15 or are they more like a 12? Because yeah. that's where it, it, it looks more dramatic that it's a 15 over two instead of a 12, five, because yeah. some of those teams are maybe right. a little bit misseeded. Yeah. The, the, the mid-major battle for respect is it's, it's a tale as old as time as well. Just uh, each program kind of has to go through this and Loyola is going through it now where, I mean, Gonzaga, we're talking about disrespect to mid-majors. Meanwhile, Gonzaga is, is a tiny school in Eastern Washington that like nobody in their right mind, like Gonzaga could have lost like probably two or three games this year. We'd still have them as a one seed because we're like, yeah, it's Gonzaga, Mark Few. Like, look at the talent they have out there. And, it's weird that and, they're not even like, there was like no, they, they're in the Sweet 16. There was no fanfare. Yeah, it's just the, yeah, totally it's just, expected. It's just kind of it's it's totally expected, and and I mean, think about the arc of Gonzaga and how and how they had to fight to get like a higher seed, and same with Wichita State, like they beat they beat Gonzaga and uh, as an eight seed, and then suddenly, or I think they were nine seed that year in twenty thirteen, um, and then suddenly like people start kind of turning on Wichita State and being like, oh, so Wichita State, like when Wichita State's good, they could be like really good, so we should probably take them more seriously. Uh, so I guess like in, on one hand, it's like you know, we, we should probably see this coming more often and give Loyola more respect. But on the other hand, like this is how it's kind of worked forever. And it's kind of, that's how it works in college football too. It seems, you know, like it's not so much about this season. If you go undefeated, like coastal Carolina, you went undefeated or whatever, how you had that great season. Cool. Now do it again next year, do it again the year after that. And then maybe we'll consider putting you in the playoff. Maybe, um, that's kind of how it works with the seeding of the tournament is that yeah. like Loyola, I, if Loyola has a great year next year, two years, three years from now, I guarantee you they're going to get more respect than they have in these pads. But that's kind of you have to earn it year by year. And I don't like that. That's how it works. But it seems to be how it works. Yeah. Instead of it's supposed to be this year. Names don't matter. Yeah. Brand names. You know, this is now it's it, that's exactly what it is. And. Gonzaga, even this year, if they have this season, they have these insane efficiency numbers, insane players. You're not a one seed if you don't have the track record of you right. know 20 years right. of, of what Gonzaga is. And I think that's what's cool. And I think that's why, like, there's a lot of coaches, I feel, really hyping up this Gonzaga team, A, because they love the way they play, but mm -hmm. also for whatever reason, another weird thing that we do in sports, especially college sports is like the best coach never to win a national championship. Mm -hmm. the, I mean, Mark few forever was the ultimate backhanded compliment of never even reaching the final four. And now it's winning a champ because he's made the title game. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people are rooting for him a, because it's a great team. People genuinely think it's his best team ever. And also I think there's just something really cool about doing it at a place like Gonzaga and not ever going bigger. Yeah. Like I've always said that I think he has the ultimate like work-life balance out of yeah. anyone in this profession. Yeah. Like he literally goes fly fishing, hangs out with his sons, hangs out outside all the time. It's part of the reason he's never left, but how many coaches would do that and just actually build Gonzaga into a power and not just jump somewhere else. And I right. sort of wonder if Porter Moser is going to take that path mm. too. Cause he's such a Chicago guy. I don't know, but that's part of what's cool about it is because it actually bucks a lot of the trends and the ways that, a lot of people are wired to think like coaching careers go or where you can actually win a national championship. And, and it has to give you hope if you're a smaller school. Like I said, it's a tiny Jesuit school in Eastern Washington with no football program. And, and for the longest time, I mean, even now Gonzaga has been great for how many years. I, I feel like most people still probably can't find Spokane on a map. Um, and 
that that's got if you're if you're a fan or an alum of a smaller school it, there's got to be some sliver of hope of like if they can do it maybe we could some sometime like maybe we could just like stumble across the right coach and Loyola might be the answer like Loyola might yeah. be going through right now as you said and Porter Moser like we might look up in 20 years and Loyola is doing this all the time um and that's what makes college basketball especially awesome I love college football but you don't really get that in college football that awesome you, that much you get these like stories here and there but that that can't happen in college football you can't get a guy that goes to like Indiana state and builds like a dynasty of a football, you know, they like move their way up and they become like, they're competing with Alabama for national, like that doesn't really happen. So uh, it can turn on a dime in college basketball in 20 years is, I mean, you just look up and, and, a, and a new powerhouse has, has popped up. So um, yeah, I, I am definitely cheering for Gonzaga, which is weird. Cause I, I typically don't cheer for the, the team that's undefeated and dominant. And, uh, and, and, and here I am, I'm like, man, I would really love to see them do this, you know? Yeah. It was when I was filling out my bracket, it was like, Oh wow. I'm going to go with the undefeated overall number one seed, but it's like, you really want them to win. You want them to do it. Yeah. You want this particular group to do it. And anyone who's ever met Mark few, you know, it's, it's, it's an, it's an amazing story and yeah. it's, I mean, you've seen just to kind of put a bow on this, like the mid-major levels, like what what happened with Butler and yes, Brad Stevens did leave, but that that school and that program jumped two different conferences yeah. based on what they did. Like there's yeah. always a payoff and yeah. it, it matters a lot to these programs and there's lasting impacts and whatever. Like we're, we're disappointed when Butler doesn't make the tournament or loses in the first round, right? Yeah. Like all of those things You're are I, after- I, I, I grew up in Indy and I, I go to Butler games when I was growing up, we did free tickets and we just like, we'd walk in and, and it was like, it was like a glorified high school game and they had good teams, but like people just, they were in the horizon league and, you know, uh, they, they'd be in the middle of the standings in the horizon league. My dad and I just love college basketball. So we just drive over and go to Butler games and um, they, they just let you in basically at, at, at certain points. And they just be like, just promise us you'll buy concessions or something. Like we got to make some money <laughs> somehow. Uh, and to see them now in the big East, you know, and like, uh, the, the renovation of Hinkle was crazy. Cause yeah, when we were going, it was just like, it was just an old place. Like it was awesome. It's historic, but it was very old. And, uh, and then they, they, they redid it and they got awesome seats and cool scoreboards. And you're like, man, this is crazy. And, and that is, that is the, the, those are the success stories of college basketball that makes college basketball awesome. Because I think people that don't follow it super closely, just assume that Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and Carolina, and like, those are the, those are the ones that are competing for titles year after year after year. Um, and, but, and that's why I celebrate when, when Virginia wins and Tony Bennett, Virginia is obviously not like a small plucky underdog, but uh, they, they kind of had their arc as well of like, proving people that they, that they belong and that they can do this. And Tony Bennett's trying to get over that hump. And um, I don't know, the, the, that, that's what, that's what makes the tournament awesome. And uh, coaches are always, you, you say the conversation about coaches that haven't won the national title or gone to the final four or whatever. That's, that's, that seems to be how it always works is that there's always co coaches never do something until they do something, you know? And that's like, it, it's hilarious. And then you look up and, and now all of a sudden Tony, like Jay Wright, for example, Villanova, they, they lose their point guard, Colin Gillespie, all American caliber point guard. And uh, I, I was one of the people, I mean, they lose their two games, their final two games of the season without Gillespie. And I'm like, all right, so Winthrop has lost one game all season. Winthrop's going to beat Villanova. They don't beat Villanova. Villanova is now in the sweet 16. And now you see people like, 
reverse engineering it saying, why would we ever doubt Jay Wright in March? <laughs> Which like hearing those words out loud is insane because five years ago, yep. it, why would we ever trust Jay Wright in March? Couldn't, couldn't get out of the first weekend. Could never, and it's like, you can't keep up with it. It all just, because Jay Wright could never win until suddenly he can win. And now all of a sudden Jay Wright is the most trusted guy. Same with Jim Beheim. It's hilarious how people are like Syracuse, sucks all season and then the tournament comes around they flip a switch and they're great and i'm like my my brain's like exploding i'm like syracuse for the longest time was the team that would enter the tournament like 27 wins and would choke in the tournament that was what syracuse basketball was and now all of a sudden it's the exact opposite um so that's what makes it fun i guess is that try to keep up with uh yes it also i do like that some of this stuff is just like the general sports fan popping in you know this one yeah, month every yeah. year Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's talk about Syracuse, though, because um, I think I had them in my Sweet 16 literally just based on that fact that you just talked about, that when they are a bubble team and everyone thinks they're bad and deeply flawed, they do this. Yeah. And it always feels like, to simplify it, obviously, but it always feels like it comes down to the fact that the 2-3 zone that they have played for decades is unfamiliar and hard to prepare for out of conference, especially on the two-day turnaround the tournament. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Buddy Beheim is going off. Like there, there's yeah. there's other reasons that they've won these games, but why do you think they do this? And why is it when they are not very good? It's when they're not good. That's yeah, that's the part I, that's confusing. I think it, it might be there might be something to it that they got nothing to lose and um what the hell? I mean, the two three zone. This isn't an original observation. It's been called the knuckleball of of college basketball. That yeah, when when you get in a tournament setting all of a sudden you have to look up as another, the other teams look at, cause it's not just that Syracuse runs a two, three zone. It's that they have the personnel. Like obviously Jim Beheim is recruiting guys who have very long arms and are very lanky and can be very disruptive. So um, it's not like, even, even if you think you're prepared for a two, three zone, there are other teams that run through Michigan throws a two, three zone out there every so often. And Iowa ran, ran, ran two, three zone. So you're you, even if you're a team that's like, yeah, we've seen two, three zone. That's not like, come on, we've I've been playing against two, three zones my whole life and and junior high and high school. Like, who cares? This isn't. I'm not scared of this. It, Syracuse is always a different caliber, and they've always got the longer arms and and athletes. And um, there 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 there's definitely some to it. But I, I I I maybe that's what it is. Is like the double digit when Syracuse is a higher seed. Uh, the, 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 they lose an edge or something like the, I, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it out myself, like why they're so successful when they're an 11 seed and, and uh, or a 10 seed. It, it's, it, it really is baffling because I, I, I swear to God, I would trust Syracuse more as a 10 seed at this point than like a two seed. Yes. Same. <laughs> I think I would trust them more. Same. And, yeah. and that's like essentially getting the same draw, but like yeah, I've yeah. covered 
so many tournaments where Syracuse is at my site. So a, I was watching some very ugly basketball games, but B like you, these other teams would talk about, like, I remember the Cody Zeller team, like they would talk about like using brooms or something yeah. to like simulate the length. And they just couldn't do it. was just, it was the most bizarre thing. And so I kind of love that at least there's that semblance of normalcy with all the upsets, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. all right, Syracuse is an 11 seed. Like this is, this is normal. This is normal for us. Um, another thing that is not normal is the big tens showing. And this is also another thing that happens this time of year in a win and go home format. People love to make sweeping conversations and judgments about everything. This year, there was very limited non-conference play. So it is fair to talk about like how conferences were evaluated compared to each other because some of the metrics were just a little bit off when you don't have all those early season tournaments. So I'll just put it this way, though. Was the Big Ten overrated? I, I think it was. And not just I, I don't think it was overrated just because of what's happening in the tournament. I was I was scared of this. Uh this isn't me patting myself on the back. I didn't call this per se, but I this was my fear, and I voiced it a handful of times that there was a Big Ten bubble that we we uh, you know like like I, what stood out to me is Ohio State losing four in a row down the stretch and still being ranked in the top ten, and I was like I, I my my brain is just going to like some Pac-12 team loses four in a row, they're not, they're not going to be ranked for the next five seasons. <laughs> if you lose four in a row as a fact. And I'm like, how is Ohio State? Like, I, I thought we were still a good team, um, but it was it was baffling to me how they were still in the top 10. And uh, I, I started to, to, to worry because I, I started sussing out like the, the, the best non-conference wins that the Big Ten had. And I was like, this, this whole perception was based on dominating the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which was won like seven to five, I think. But it, like the Big Ten seemed to win like the marquee games. Um, Iowa beat North Carolina, and we didn't realize North Carolina wasn't that great at the time. And Illinois hands it to Duke uh, in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And, and that, that kind of happened. You're like, whoa, the Big Ten is really, really good this year. And then you go to conference play, and you start beating up on each other. And every conference beats up on each other. That's how it works. You know, like when, when it happens in the Pac-12, though, we say all these teams are bad. You know, when when California beats Colorado, you're like, oh, my God, Colorado's not as good as I thought they were. They must suck. When when Michigan State, who's not that good, starts knocking off top five teams, you're like, wow, Michigan State must, you know, like it's a different conversation with the Big Ten. I started to notice that. And I was like, man, I hope this doesn't come back to bite us. I didn't think it'd be this bad, though. I didn't think we were this overrated. No, no, me either. Yeah. I Like, I'm shocked that it's one team in the yeah season. that's insane that is, that is insane yeah shocking like I remember being like a little concerned about Illinois region because of Loyola because of Oklahoma State like there mm-hmm. were just some I thought it was maybe the most challenging one but I still thought they'd be in the sweet 16 I still I, thought they would reach the final four from it I just thought they would have the hardest path to do so I I didn't really trust Iowa that much but I trusted Ohio State I mean they were just mm-hmm. there were so many actual final four contenders that's what's shocking about only getting one team through the Sweet 16. It's, it, I guess now that you look back, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but now that you look at especially Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa, because those are the top seeds, um, you, you look at their losses and they make total sense. Like I said, like I think you pl- replay I, – I, I'd like to think that Ohio State would be Oral Roberts if you replay it, but uh, Oral Roberts checked a lot of boxes for what would cause Ohio State problems. Like Ohio, the Buckeyes don't play defense – um, and or Roberts could score. And that's like, like we, I knew it was going to be a track meet. I knew it actually ended up being far lower scoring than I anticipated, but uh, 
Oral Roberts was a team that that I there were a handful of people that knew a lot about Oral Roberts that were texting me like, hey, FYI, they might give you guys a problem. And I was like, all right, well, yeah, of all of all the 15s to draw, you get the one that played, you know, Arkansas and, and Oklahoma yeah. State and, yeah. and all these te- and played them well, right? So and, yeah. And there's that Loyola is a bad matchup for Illinois because like part of what made Illinois so good. I know Io got all the headlines and was was the player of the year candidate, but I felt like Kofi Coburn was the difference for Illinois down the stretch. Like he he became just a, a on a, on a completely different level down down the stretch for Illinois and made them so good. Uh, and you got Crutwig who is is unlike some of the big guys that that Coburn's been guarding. He's he's so unique, and Coburn is is getting his success against Luca Garza's and Hunter Dickinson's like traditional big guys that he can just like body up and be physical with them. And then all of a sudden, Crutwig's like stepping out and doing point forward, uh, throwing backdoor passes and shooting floaters over him, and and just putting them in circles. And uh, Kofi played pretty well offensively, I felt like in that game. But Crutwig Crutwig had him just run around and sort. He had no idea what to do defensively, and and that, that kind of exposed Illinois' weaknesses there. And Oregon and Iowa, meanwhile, like Oregon is a nightmare matchup, right? I, I think they play that game 10 times. Oregon's winning eight, you know, like that's not to say I was not a good team. It's just Iowa is so good offensively, as we know, and the, it's so hard to match that um, for so many teams. But Oregon is a team that's like, we can definitely match that. And on top of that, we're more athletic than you. And the one advantage Iowa had was Luca Garza. And I think Oregon was willing to see that advantage and say, all right, Luca, go score 36 points. Uh, you're not going to be able to stop. No one else is going to do anything for you guys. Right. You can't get, you, you can't get 80 yeah. by yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to score at will on the other end. And that's, and I, and, and I, th- that is a likely explanation as well. It's like, these were just bad matchups, which is a, a very convenient excuse. I know, but, um, well, you know, but, I, but you mentioned, you mentioned the athletes, like they're the, one of the talking points is, is the athleticism is the talent level. Yeah. Um, is that part of it too? Because not, and maybe Oregon's a great example of this. Maybe not every matchup that they lost was, but I mean, like one of the things we talked about with Ohio state all year was like, okay, maybe the sum of their parts is greater than their individual talent. Right. Like they just kind of were playing above it, but I don't know that I felt that across the board. Like, I think there's really talented players in the big 10. I think they're getting kind of grouped together as like, the way that people talk about big 10 football players as like slow and unathletic, yeah, whatever, yeah. even when that changes, is that a fair comp- part of this like broad stretch people are making? I think it is. If you, if you really look at like the stars of college basketball this season, and I know Luca Garza is great. And I know I would assume like that became like the national player of the year race. Um, but as, as a whole in the conference, like the idea of Michigan, Michigan wins the regular season, big 10 title, Michigan is now the one big 10 team left. If you were to put any of these Michigan players, uh, that's not to say Michigan doesn't have great individual talent. Franz Wagner is going to be awesome in the NBA, I think. And Dickinson's obviously one of the better big men, but at the same time, like you, you, none of those Michigan doesn't have an all American caliber type guy. Like Hunter Dickinson is good. He's good. Like we should celebrate what he is, but like, let's not pretend that he is, he, he does. He's as good as Evan Mobley at USC say um, like, I don't, he's not that level. So uh, th- that that's interesting to me. Like Michigan and Ohio state are both kind of in that similar spot where like the, some of the parts are greater and, and, and um, th- there's something to that. And Iowa, uh, Iowa, if, if you were forecasting what I was loss in the NCAA tournament looked like it looked it was going everyone knew that it was going to look a lot like what Oregon did to them it was yeah. like that that was what you saw coming the whole time I mean Jordan Bohannon is is good at what he does it's just 
he's limited in a lot of ways. And that's before he had two hip surgeries or whatever it was. And now all of a sudden he's out there, like there's a different caliber of athlete that he's going against. And um, I, I think there's something to that, but I also like in general, I, I think it is kind of overblown. Just like, I don't think we need to do a postmortem. Like what's wrong with it. Sometimes it's just teams lose games, teams win games. I don't think the conference needs to like have a summit this off season and be like, we got to fix big 10 basketball. What happened? Um, I think it's just like, you know, it's a, it's a crazy tournament. Things happen. And uh, that's the way it works out. Maybe oral, like if Ohio state maybe beats oral Roberts, that's the scare they needed. Maybe they like destroy Florida and no one's talking about it at all. And like Ohio state gets back on track and like, maybe, I don't know. There's a million different things that could have happened that, uh, or, or, or Loyola gets seated, right? Illinois doesn't play Loyola. They look good in the second round. Now all of a sudden you look up, Illinois has got Oregon state, Syracuse and Houston, yeah. And, and their region, you're like, Illinois, I like them to the title, the big, t- you know, yeah. there's just, there's just so many factors that, that, but when they start stacking up and, and uh, they start going against the big 10, I, I don't blame people for saying there's something wrong here, you know? But, yeah. I, I do uh, think you're correct in diagnosing. It was probably the Buckeyes that started the, <laughs> this, this, this narrative. Um, so, so let's talk about the flip side because I, I'm with you. I don't think there's like these broad, you know, generalizations to take away or the need for a, a summit. But when you're the Pac-12 and you yeah. suddenly have way more success than anyone thought possible, including a team that was not going to make the tournament as an That's at-large crazy. in Oregon State playing as well as anybody in the tournament, how do you make it a bigger deal? Like, don't you yeah. want you want to make this like Yeah, big, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I live on the West Coast, so I would love that. That'd be great to for people to 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 use that to my advantage to like if people care about the Pac-12 basketball, that's right in my wheelhouse. I can You have I can two watch. teams in your city. Yeah, and in the Sweet 16. I'm glad, thank you for calling it my city, Nicole. I, yes. I appreciate that. Yes. That's, I mean, I, nice. you've, <laughs> you've seen like the 4 block radius around your apartment since you, yeah, you know, yeah. COVID, yeah, but right. Yeah, your city. And listen, the state of North Carolina has zero teams zero. in the Sweet 16, and your city has two. The so. state of Indiana, who's hosting the whole tournament, because that is where basketball was basically invented, more or less. Not actually, but that's the way people talk about it's it. Where it and lives. One team, one team in the tournament. It's where it lives, yeah. One team in the tournament gets bounced by a, a, a what was it, a 13 seed? Yeah, Purdue was a four seed. Yep. Um, so the Pac-12, so four teams left at this point uh, in, the, in the Sweet 16. I, I shouldn't say it like that. That, that. that made it sound like they – four teams in the Sweet 16. They have a quarter of the Sweet 16. It's insane. Uh, the only one that's really surprising to me, though, is, is Oregon State. I mean, that, the, the other three make a ton of sense. USC is really, really good. Oregon is really, really good. Uh, they, they've been good for most of the season. Um, UCLA has had the talent. I, I was really high on UCLA coming into the season. Uh, Chris Smith tearing his ACL – um, I, I, I didn't necessarily write them off, but I was like, they, they, they were kind of struggling in certain ways even before that happened. Um, and for, for it, it's been interesting watching a Mick Cronin team that isn't hard nosed defensively, but can also score. He's got a lot of guys that can score and that's like bizarre. Cause the same with Bob Huggins, by the way, it was very weird. Bizarro watching like, like a Mick Cronin and Bob Huggins team played this year. They're probably scoring in the eighties. And it's it's most, usually not easy yeah, for those teams. Yeah, most of America is like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> um, 
but UCLA has a ton of talent. So like that, that isn't particularly surprising, especially you look at their draw. I mean, they beat Michigan state BYU and Abilene Christian. Like when you say that out loud, you're like, yeah, that's not exactly shocking that given the athletes and and the scores that UCLA has, that they would do that. Uh, so to me, it, like, again, we should talk about the PAC 12. I, I want to exalt the PAC 12. I hope next year uh, throughout the regular season, we're not, we're not as a, as a nation dismissive of the PAC 12, but uh, when, when you look at like each individual team, I'm not really particularly surprised. I mean, USC destroying Kansas last night was surprising. Like that they, I thought that was going to be a good game. Yeah. Um, I couldn't believe that, that they can't just margin like that. Yeah. Yeah. But the, really the only surprise to me is Oregon state. Like that's the one that's, that's even a little bit surprising. And uh, if, if, if you ask Oregon state fans, how this is happening. They'd be like, we have no idea. We stopped watching. <laughs> we stopped watching two months ago. We just started watching again. We turned it on when the PAC 12 tournament started. It was a, it was a good yeah. time to come back into it. I yeah. mean, I also, I also love that their second round game um, gave us tinkle at Hinkle, which I think yeah, Matt Norlander <laughs> coined and I love it. So I hope they keep playing there. Um, I have not looked at where their next game is, but I did not see. So even if you're like, okay, they're hot. Like I, I think I picked them to win the first round game for that reason. Did not see Kate Cunningham did not play well in the NCAA mm. tournament. And after like months of hoping we'd get to see him in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, that was a little bit of a bummer. But yeah, shout out to the Pac 12, shout out to West Coast basketball, which most people ignore and sleep through and don't stay up for. Um, because you know, four Pac 12 teams and Gonzaga, right? We came really close to Bill Walton's five <laughs> Pac 12 teams in the final four dream coming true, despite a lot of them being in the same region. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we need to listen to him a little bit more before we let you go, Mark, um, giving you a reset. We're yeah. just racing bad final four choices from the past. Okay. Who do you have right now? Reset. Okay. Reset. I get, let me look at the bracket. So Gonzaga is obvious. Yep. Uh, I, I think Gonzaga, um, I think Gonzaga handles Creighton pretty easily. Oregon, I, Oregon on the on the, if we're looking at just the far left side of the bracket only, uh, I think Oregon is the biggest threat to Gonzaga. That includes mm. everyone in the East um, and everyone in the West. Obviously, uh, I think Oregon is is Gonzaga's biggest threat. So I think Gonzaga get by Creighton pretty easily. If Oregon beats USC, which USC smoked Oregon the one time they played each other this year, I don't know what that necessarily means. Sometimes that means they're going to do it again. Sometimes it means you know USC is going to come to this game thinking they're going to do it again, and and Oregon beats them. Um, so I, I do like Gonzaga to the final four, though, uh, out of the West. I like Baylor out of the South, by the way. that it's, It is interesting for all the chaos that's going on. Uh, it, for, the, for most of the season, the theme has been Gonzaga and Baylor versus everyone else. They're both still alive. They're both looking very, very good. So we could look up here in a couple of weeks and be like, oh, all that madness. That was just a fun distraction for a couple of weeks. Well, and to get and us did, to the title game we saw coming the whole time. And Michigan was the team we were like, oh, maybe they're the third best team. In yeah, the country, yeah, and they're still yeah. around. And they're too. still around too. Uh, so in the east, so I, I think the west and south are pretty obvious if you're making picks. Not to say that that it's a lock that they're going to make it, but I mean if that, that's that's a pretty obvious pick to say Gonzaga and Baylor. Uh, I'll do the the east. Uh, Michigan, Florida State's tough. I I, I I I like Alabama too. Oh my god. I don't want to pick against UCLA. I, I will say Alabama. Alabama is a team that, that, I mean, we saw it against Maryland. They hit 16 threes. Um, it, it's, it's easy to fall in love with teams that are making threes. And the, the fear is always what happens when those threes aren't falling. And I think for Alabama to have such a great defense to fall back on um, is it, it gives me a lot of confidence in Alabama moving forward. So I'll take Alabama because Michigan, 
I Michigan is winning. You're holding it down for the Big Ten, but let's be honest. There's no Michigan fan that's like feeling great about the LSU game and the Texas Southern. That's that you're really feeling that confident. I think Michigan fans are like, we're winning. We'll take it. That's all that matters. Yeah, I think they're they're pleasantly surprised by they're the, pleasantly the surprised. win over LSU. Yeah, yeah like, as long as you keep winning, I'll be happy. But no Michigan fans like, man, we're doing it this year. We're going well, all I the think, way. I think you did have that before right, Isaiah right, before Livers Livers. injury. Yeah. yeah, that totally changed. But what we've seen from Michigan so far, I think Michigan, by the way, I do think Michigan is good enough to to win a title, honestly. like I think Michigan, um, I think their ceiling without Livers is not that much lower. It's just their margin for error has been – you know, is razor thin now. I think that's really what it is. I think that's what liver's absence does. Uh, so give me Alabama and then the Midwest. Ooh, I do not like Houston. I got to say not a Houston fan at all. Um, but th- yeah, it, this is a crap shoot. Uh, shoot. This one's tough. Cause no matter who you pick against, uh, everyone's going to get mad. You're gonna be like, people have been picking against us all year. Us shocked the world. Uh, I think Loyola, honestly. I mean, Loyola, what they did to what they did to Illinois, they looked like the better team. That did not look like an upset at all. And I, I have to believe that Loyola, I mean, they made the final four as a Cinderella, as everyone's noticing now. This is not a Cinderella team. This is a team that's very, very good. If you put a four or a three next to Loyola's name and pretended like they were a three seed, no one would bat an eye. Um, so I'm gonna pretend that. I'm gonna pretend like Loyola is like a three seed, and I'm gonna pick them to go to the to the final four out of the Midwest. So there you have it. Baylor, okay, so, Loyola, Gonzaga, Alabama. Okay, so you stole all the ones that I was going to say. However, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. well, I had Alabama prior to the weekend, so I was going to keep them. Um, but I, I will say that there's a couple teams that I flirted with before picking those teams, which was Arkansas looks really good. Arkansas they looks They look good, really yeah. hot. Um, Florida State has been a prop. Like, I could see Florida State possibly beating Michigan in this next round just because it's like a very vintage Leonard Hamilton Florida State team. And I also kind of love Oregon State, but I also love Loyola more. So those are yeah. my like borderline teams, but I'm with you. And again, it's thank God for what is it, the Midwest, because otherwise it's fairly chalky um, for talking mm-hmm. about ones and twos. But I do think to your earlier point, I think that the conversation about Gonzaga and Baylor was correct. Like there were two elite teams this year and then it was all over the map and even the teams like a Texas that like we thought we bought into by the end, like you really didn't know what you were going to get. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. So sweet 16 coming up next weekend, keep track of what days things are because I did get confused and missed half yeah. of a basketball game on Monday because <laughs> I did not realize they were still playing. Um, so Mark on this podcast, before you go, we have to do a last call and yep. it's called power hour. So we're sticking with the theme for those who are listening, who haven't heard it before, it's like what you would cheers to at 2 a.m. at last call at a bar or something you're very angry about and just it kind of boils over at last call. Um, so it's, you know, it's a rant or a cheers. Um, I will let you go first. Yeah, I, I just want to, to rant about Gonzaga, uh, the, the narrative around Gonzaga. Hopefully they can be put to bed once and for all, because as, as someone who covers college basketball for a living, I still get far too many people. Uh, that that say the Gonzaga chokes in March and it's like it's gotten to the point I used to fight it and now uh, I don't even fight anymore because it's like you're saying the sky is purple like it's like I, I it, it, it there's no basis in reality even a little bit it, it's it's mind-blowing how this exists still uh, six straight sweet 16s um, they they th- th- this idea that they choke in March is basically 
from my perspective, it, it hinges on a, a couple of things. It's, it's Adam Morrison losing to UCLA in 2006. That, that's a vivid memory that people have that they were beating UCLA. They let it slip away. He starts crying. And, and that sticks 15, with people. 15 years ago now, by the way. 15 years ago. Uh, <laughs> by the way, you might remember, everyone remembers the image of Adam Morrison wearing his blue jersey as he was crying. You know why he was wearing his blue jersey, Nicole? Because UCLA was not the higher seed in that game. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was going to be an ups or, or, or Gonzaga was not the higher seed. UCLA was the higher seed. Gonzaga was a three seed. UCLA was a two seed. Um, so, like, yeah, sure, they kind of choked the game away, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like they were a one seed that lost to a 13 or something. And some, you know, so there was that. Then in 2013, when, when Wichita State, when Gonzaga's a one seed, Wichita State beats him. And at the time, everyone's like, oh my God, these frauds. You, we finally give Gonzaga a one seed and then they lose in the second round. Get them out of here. And then, like, look at the arc of what Wichita, first of all, Wichita State goes on to the final four. And then, like, what Wichita State's program becomes, um, I mean, you look back on that, sure, they should have won the game. Like, it's fair. I'm not saying don't criticize them. But, like, I mean, is that really that egregious when you look back on that loss? And then, finally, it's like there's the reason Gonzaga gets labeled as choking is because they've never won a national title. Um, And in 2017, as a reminder, they were two minutes away from winning a national title, which is not winning a national title. I understand that. But I think it's pretty clear if you can get within two minutes of winning one, the program is capable of winning one. Uh, we're, they're probably going to win one this year. And my whole point is that, please, for the love of God, I'm begging everybody, like you're, you're making yourself look stupid at this point. It's no longer like, I, I don't even want to argue with anybody anymore because it's not even, it's not even worth arguing about. But uh, I don't know. That, that I, I just, I hope that, that this is something that, that we, can, we can finally end once and for all. And I'm sure Gonzaga has to win the title for people to, to do it. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm yelling into the wind, I know. But for God's sakes, they do not choke in March. They're, in fact, it's the exact opposite. They're one of the most successful programs yes. in March. Yes, very year consistent. Out. Very consistent. And yeah. the narrative that they like, oh, we're going to be worried about them because they haven't played anyone in two months. Also gone because they also made six, gone. six straight They do it every time. Every fine. time. They have it's, been it's, fine it's, with that. They figured it out. They figured it out. It's ridiculous. Um, okay, my last call is also a rant, but also couched with a compliment because I love that this year's tournament got to play in campus sites. Like I love that Hinkle and Assembly Hall and Mackey Arena were hosting. However, it didn't feel as great because they do the stupid thing where they replace all the courts and they make them all look the same. And I don't know who had that brilliant idea at some point in this process, but go back to it. Like it's a, so much easier to tell what region you're in and like what's happening in that particular arena. Like if there's one place that's having a lot of upsets, whatever it is, it's just a lot easier when you're flipping back and forth to keep track of who's playing when Mm. you're flipping around, but also it just, it strips away a lot of the personality, even if you're playing in a, like a pro arena, even if you're playing at Lucas oil or whatever, like it stripped away some of the Hinkle magic. And I was still, it could still feel that you were in, you know, you were at Hinkle, but it didn't look like it. It didn't, it didn't, I, I just, I don't know why they did this. I want them to go back to having the real courts. Right. There's got to be a middle ground somewhere because I, I do get sort of you want to say you, you want to have a March Madness feel to it as well. And it's not like a regular season game that you're just Can watching, you put like something just game. like around the edges be, or something. Yeah, just like, like leave, the, it... leave the leave the leave the, the baseline 
logos yeah. or it says bulldogs or butler on the baseline or something or leave uh there's got to be something you can leave because i'm i'm with you it's uh it, it, it's awesome look at like i remember i think we talked about this before that i vividly remember in 1995 when tyus edney hit the shot to beat missouri um i remember that that game was in boise idaho and the reason i remember that is because i've seen that highlight so many times that i've seen the the orange and blue court and the big bronco yeah. on the court and the outline of uh, idaho and it's so cool to like know that and 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 for a guy who loves trivia it makes it easy for me because i can remember where these games are being played and all that and it might it might affect like my feelings on the game if i would have known that ohio state was playing in mackey arena boy i would have been more worried about oral roberts i'm telling you because <laughs> ohio state there that that's a house of horrors mackey arena for ohio state so um <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It, it, it is bizarre, it, it, and it's weird, especially when it's all taking place in Indianapolis and you turn on the TV and, like, the, 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 the one uh, sideline you can see, you can read, just says Indianapolis. And it's yeah. like, yeah, we know. We know it's in Indianapolis. They're all in Indianapolis. Yeah, I, I want to know what arena you're playing in, not what yeah. city. Yeah, and especially because you had on-campus arenas, which was really cool. Yeah. And just yeah. let them be. Just let them, just let them have that character. So that's my plea to – the NCAA selection committee, all the deciding people is if you're going to make us continue to play in football stadiums, continue to have final fours there, please just give us the original courts for some of the earlier rounds. Oh, and, and stay on campuses. Like let Hinkle yes. again. Yes. That was great. Yes. It was awesome. Yeah. The, so, the sun shining through on Hinkle. Uh, there's nothing like it. Nothing it's like so it. Cool. Truly so cool. the best. And Butler Blue gets to be the mayor of March. My exactly. close personal friend. Just amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming by. Yeah. Hanging out, talking all things Sweet 16. Um, if you want to tell people where they can find all of your yeah. various yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we, we're doing, um, first of all, Titus and Tate podcast. I, we're, we're doing podcasts all throughout uh, March Madness, breaking down all the fun and, and and laughing at how stupid all their picks are and all that kind of stuff. We have a lot of fun doing that. We're also doing uh, live streams on YouTube, which has become more fun for me than I thought it would be, uh, where we, we're watching all the games. And then when we go to record the podcast, we're, we're, we work for Fox Sports. So they're just like, yeah, we have a ton of cameras. Let's just turn them on. Um, and we're doing live streams. So it's become, it's become a fun, like late night thing for us. So every night after NCAA tournament games, uh, we'll, we'll go live and we'll talk about the games that are happening. So if you're into that, you can watch us on, on YouTube and, uh, you don't have to listen to the show. Or if you just want to listen to the podcast, you can do that. Also, I want to plug, uh, I'm doing work with the, uh, three X three U. Um, I'm going to be like the sideline report. I, I, I do like the players lounge deal. Um, so three X three U for those that don't know is, uh, they do a three on three tournament at the final four every year with like guys that basically didn't make the final four. And, uh, my role in the operation is I hand them stacks of cash and they get to throw it in the air. And it's, it's a whole spectacle. It's ridiculous. It's actually a ton of fun to watch. I think most people hear three, three on three, and they think of like their Gus Macker tournaments when they were growing up and it's like a bunch of old men just, you know, but it's actually a ton of fun. And it's, it's basically just dunks and threes, just all the, it, it, it's fast paced. It's a ton of fun. Um, but anyway, I, my role in it is I hand out money. So I love doing it. And uh, I, I encourage people to watch that. Cause it is, it is a ton of fun to watch uh, during final four weekend as you're waiting for the final four game. So uh, be sure to check that out too. That's it. That, that, that's about all I got going on. <laughs> well, in our, our power hour listeners, 
did listen to Robbie Hummel talk about three on three. Well, there you go. Yeah, Rob, you Robbie go. will be there. Robbie, mm-hmm. Robbie, Robbie does the heavy lifting. He calls the games all day. Well, and, and he's our Olympian, hopeful. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Know, I mean, and then uh, every so often, yeah, it's hilarious because like Robbie does all the hard work, and then I just hand the players the money. And <laughs> and by the end of the event, the players love me, and they like if 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 we all went out like after the event's over, they'd all want to like hang out with me instead of Robbie because like I'm the I've uh, it's like the money you know, guy. Like Pavlov's guy. dogs, honestly. It's like I'm the guy that hands you money. So like they just follow me around. They're like, you got any more of that money? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I they probably expect you to buy the drinks and, yeah. and all the things. You're just you're the money guy. So um, anyway, so yeah, be sure to check all of that out um, and follow Mark's work over at Fox Sports. Um, thank you for listening. Power Hour will be back next Tuesday. Andy Stables, Ari Wasserman, the whole crew will be around on this feed the rest of the week. Um, but we will see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.